0: To think big, too big, too big. But tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow. Yeah, live a life bigger than yourself. You're creative.
1: Welcome to Live Big with Bishop Derek Greer, Senior Pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. Visit gracechurchva.org for this message and to find out more about how you can grow in Christ. We serve a big God, and we believe that His Word calls for us to live big. So our prayer is that this broadcast empowers you to live a life so big that it blesses everyone and everything around you. Let's get into the teaching.
0: We're going to begin in 1 Timothy chapter 1, I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, open our eyes. Cause us to see what we've not seen before. Maybe we've heard some of these things before, but but cause to really catch it today, God. And we will give you all the honor and all the glory. And the church says, Amen. Amen. Beginning with verse 12, 1 Timothy 1 and verse 12. Paul says, by the Holy Spirit, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord. The Apostle Paul was flooded with grateful memories of what the Lord had had done for him in his life. And he knew that he owed everything good, anything of value that this man accomplished was due solely to the grace of his God. He goes on to say, who has enabled me? Those who have never tried anything bigger than themselves won't understand this man's praise here. But this man... He understood something. God enabled him to do something that he could not possibly have done on his own. And, and I understand this, and I, and I hope you understand this. You know, uh, every week, God nerves me to stand behind this pulpit week after week to annoy you the way I do. Every Sunday. He, he every, you know the nerve it takes to, to say some of the things? But God graces and enables me to do the work. But, but you know, that, that's what he done with me. But, but what about with you? There are things that you know you could not have done in your life without the help of God. And, you know, just as verse 12, he, he interjects, he's talking about profound truths, but he, he just, you know, breaks out in praise and thank you, Jesus. He's that type of guy. So in the middle of some strong prose, he says, I thank you, Christ Jesus, our Lord. Then he says, because he counted me what? Faithful. 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 Something so real so real happened between Paul and his God that God put his own confidence in Paul. This is amazing. The truth we see here is that God believed in us way before we believed in him. And this was the truth that we see here. Putting me into the ministry. Never let ambition place you in the ministry. Make sure it is God. The last thing you want to do, and I'll bear witness, is stand behind somebody's pulpit without God enabling you to handle the stress, to handle the pressure, and and to handle the problem. It will send you to an early grave if you let it. He says, although I was formerly a blasphemer, Paul was not ashamed to tell his story. And he said, you know, I was formerly what? A what? Blasphemer. What that word literally means is one who spoke or speaks against. How many in this room today are doing things that at one point in your life, you're doing them for Jesus now, that at one point in your life you, you talked against? Like, I don't need to do all that. What's that woman doing? Jumping up there? What's all that hand stuff? You know, <laughs> how many of y'all are doing some things now? The word for that is maturity. 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 My sons, when they were little, they, they told me, you know, I, I don't want to kiss a girl. I, I, you know, I don't even want, you know, I don't even you know. But now as teenagers, I don't even want to drink after my boys. You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it's called maturity maturity <laughs> don't tell him I said that 1 <laughs> Corinthians thirteen eleven. Paul said it this way he said when I was a child I spoke as a child I understood as a child I thought as a child Scripture says that we should be childlike. Jesus says this. But he never tells us to be childish. Some of y'all need to learn that. But when I became a man, I put away childish what? Things. When we know better, God expects us to what? Do better. 1 Timothy 1 and 13. Paul says, although I was in the past, this is where I came from, this is who I was formerly a blasphemer we covered that then he adds a persecutor paul did not just criticize christians in their faith he physically assaulted him paul 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 was like none other at that particular point in church history let's see what acts chapter 9 and verse 1 says about him listen to the description that that the 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 bible gives of this Saul. Verse one. Then Saul, by the way, Saul is his Hebrew name, Paul is his Roman name, and you had to move through both cultures and, and you had different names for, for the various cultures you were in. It says, Then Saul, still breathing out threats. According to, to, to scripture, Paul had a very serious case of bad breath. Every breath he drew was to attack, persecute, and harm believers. And, and, and you know, some of you might not identify that, but I know some people that have some very, very bad breath. A- every, every thought, every word, everything is to, to criticize some preacher, to criticize some church, to find fault somewhere. They live to do this. And in the Bible, this is called spiritual halitosis. <laughs> Keep looking straight ahead. He said he was breathing these threats. This all day. get down there. But Then it adds, in murder. Paul was the worst kind of religious fanatic. He was actually a killer. He was there holding their coats when they stoned Stephen. Th- th- this man was dangerous. Paul was one of those individuals that could understand, actually understand the thinking behind 9-11. One of my challenges is to understand what, what went on in those men's minds. But Paul could understand and even sympathize with those men. He was breathing threats and murder against good people. People who had done nobody wrong. All they did was help the poor, heal the sick, get people saved. But Paul, all he could do is threaten and kill the disciples of the Lord. And then he went further. He went to the high priest and asked for formal letters from the priest to go to the synagogues in Damascus. So he was doing uh, some things in, in Israel, but he wanted to go out into the, the suburban areas, if you will. And he, he pursued legal authority to, to, to put to death people like you and me in this room just because we're doing what we're doing right now. So that if he found anyone who was of the way, and that's what you called Christians back then. Actually, Gentiles called us Christians, and, and believers called themselves people of the way. Whether men or women or women, he might bring them bound or in chain to Jerusalem. So Paul was spending the early part of his career separating fathers from sons, separating mothers from their children. Saul was a very, very, very bad man. Back to First Timothy one and thirteen. He's telling his story. We all have to tell our story. As I tell you, don't just tell you know your children and the people in your life the good things that you accomplished in life. Tell them the underside so they don't have you know, wrong expectations and the rest of, of what they might have to go through to get to where they're going. He said, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor. But then he adds a, a third descriptor. He says, an insolent man. Paul had such an arrogance about him that he literally filled every room he entered. This man was extremely intelligent. He was highly educated, but he was also rigorously moral. And a lot of people think that bad men aren't, aren't necessarily moral people. You know, Hitler, he, he, he was a teetotaler. He wouldn't drink and, and all the rest, I hear, but he did get on drugs, I hear. But, but still, you know, in, in some ways, he, 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 he lived up to certain people's moral standards. When, when you think of uh, uh, Osama bin Laden, he was probably a rigorously moral man, but he was wicked. And that's why don't trust your behavior. You hear what I'm saying? The, okay, I, we're going to talk about that. Let, let's just keep moving first timothy 1 and 13. he says he was an insolent what man meaning although he was this highly moral individual i guess i do got to go there he had a meanness about him have you ever been around re- religious people i mean they don't cuss at you i mean you know they, they don't smoke they they don't drink but you wish they would you hear what i'm saying <laughs> just the meanest I mean if, if a rattlesnake and that person with that deacon was walking down the, aisle, the alley at the same the rattlesnake would back up you hear what I'm saying <laughs> he was an insolent man much like our partisan politics today when you meet a partisan man they're out for blood they just want to kill their opponents they don't care about right they don't care about wrong they just want to win and he was that type of, of man, highly sectarian, highly partisan. It was us against them and, and I'm gonna get you. And you know what? Listen, if you disagree with me, fine, you don't have to kill me though. But, but, but this was his mentality. But listen, that's the mentality of some people in the church. Because the church down the street does it a little bit differently. Oh, I'm gonna cut them down. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill everybody. I don't want them coming my Stop it. You have the same spirit of Saul. But that's the case. But watch this. But I obtained mercy. I could stop and literally weep here. The depths of our sin could never surpass the depths of God's mercy and His grace. He said, "I was, I was a murderer. I was a killer. Arrogant, full of." pride and zeal but i obtained mercy because i did it ignorantly and in unbelief and here's the deal paul could quote scripture he memorized the first five books of the bible but he didn't know the god behind the scripture so don't confuse carrying a bible under your arm with knowing god and i'm glad that you learned a few scripture in sunday school but that's not the same as knowing the god behind the scriptures verse 14 he said in the grace of our Lord he was struggling to find words to explain what had happened that's why we're grace church cuz I I had a hard time explaining what God had done in my life it was completely by grace had nothing to do with me everything to do with him it was by grace and grace alone he said, but the grace, I was a bad man, but the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. He starts piling up terms. Abundant means more than enough, but he said exceedingly abundant. I mean, he, 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 said, there's really no words to capture what God did when he called me and he, and he saved me. And what he, what he was saying through, through this language here was as bad as his sins where he was a murderer, guys, a murderer, leaving kids as orphans. Religious zealot, as bad as his sins were, this imagery is saying that if there was a scale, his sins were maybe a couple ounces compared to about a thousand tons. And there was no comparison. And what's important for us to understand, if that was true with this killer, how much more with you and I? But the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. His sins were almost embarrassed in light of his grace. Because his sins, we're talking about I did all this, but when God showed his grace, they just, oh, just shrunk in the light. With faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. God gave him faith and love he, he could never deserve. But, but here's the, word, the verse I wanted to get to this, this morning. He said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Or the worst. The worst sinner is not the prostitute the worst sinner is not the pimp the worst sinner is not the adulterer, the homosexual the fornicator according to scripture it'll surprise you who the bible says is the worst sinner the worst sinner was a self-righteous religious person Paul had been to the seminary. He even named his instructor Gamiel. It was the highest school you could go to. But this man was, was, was the most wicked man. There is, you say, why? Because when you're memorizing the scripture, you have no excuse. At least what you did, you ain't no better. All right. He had memorized everything God had said and then killed his son when he came. He said, this is a faithful saying. Meaning, this is just, a complicated way of saying it, but he was saying, you know, what people are saying about me is true. You know, all rumors aren't true, but he's saying like, this one is. What people are saying to me is true. And it's worthy of all ex- acceptance. And here's the deal, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. But here it is, of whom I'm what? Jesus. Paul admitted that he was a very, very bad boy. But in fact, he took it further. He said he was the worst type of boy. But I want you to watch. As bad as Paul's background was, watch how God flipped it For his glory. He said, however. See, we need that however in there. Because he's about to explain some things. For this reason, I obtained mercy. You see, that negative thing in your life, God can instantly flip the script and use it for his glory. All God requires is that you turn it over to him. He said, for this reason I attain mercy. Why? Because God wanted to set a pattern that if he could do what he did through the worst of sinners, what might he do through you and I? You hear what I'm saying? God said, listen, I don't want a man that was amongst the 12 disciples because they'll say that he became great because he walked with Jesus. I don't want a man that, that is just a, a, a good, great man. No, I want the worst of men. So that when people read his letters, they will say, if God could do that with the worst, if God could take a murderer and fill his heart with such high revelation and illumination, if God could, could so forgive him, so wash him, and so cleanse him, what might God be able to do with me? Watch what it says. He said, God chose me, not because I was the intellectual I was, but because I was so bad (laughs) that I might show, or he might show all long suffering as a what? Pattern. A pattern is something designed to be repeated over and over and over again. And what he was saying is, again, if God has already washed and cleansed the worst of sinners, how about, how about you? Okay, you did some things. But let me ask the question. How many of you can name five Christians you murdered this week? How many of you can name the people you left orphans in the church? How many of you have ruined the careers of people? When they put someone out the synagogue, you couldn't buy a cell. And if you couldn't buy a cell, your family became impoverished. He was kicking people out of saying, doing all types. Of, how many of you have done that this week? Yeah. So at best, you might be kind of an in-between sinner. (laughs) And that's the whole point. As bad as you think your sins are, compared to Paul, you ain't even got started. He said, God took the worst of men, worst type of man, Like I said, the worst type of man are not the people we typically criticize. Here's this highly educated, highly moral, self-righteous individual. For this reason, I obtain mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Huh. But here's the problem you were able to say amen to me because you understood what I was saying. But how many of you would have respect for a judge that would let a murderer off only for him to kill 10 more people? And if that's the way the judge did it, the forgiveness of one man became the death sentence for 10 more. That can't be right. So we need to rethink this idea we have about forgiveness. Now, what you believe is true, but the problem is you only got half the story. And without the other half, you become dangerous, just like Paul was. Go to 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Over the next few weeks, we are going to uncover what the New Testament speaks about mercy and God's grace. Paul says here: Therefore, if anyone—Are you anyone? No matter where you come from, the worst of sinners to 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 the best of sinners. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new what? Creation. creation. God does not only forgive us of sin, though that is tremendous. He does a second thing. He forgives us of sin, but then he immediately makes us over. Yes, you were a murderer. God forgives you of your murderous deeds and actions and nature. But God is not unwise. God is not an unjust judge. He doesn't just say, okay, you know, it's okay, go out and kill some more people. When you come to the altar, he not only forgives you, he changes you. (laughs) Let me explain to you the problem with the law of Moses. And the the New Testament bears this out, and we're not going to talk about this today. Another week we'll talk about it. But all the law of Moses could do was point out our faults but couldn't fix none of them. It it, it couldn't change nobody. All it could do is say, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. The Ten Commandments, do not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And there was a purpose for it. It was necessary. And we'll talk about that another time. But we were kind of like a dog. And forgive me for using this analogy. But a dog can't help barking. It's a dog. Uh, people today seem to be treating dogs like people. But you know that, that dog you think is so personable, but, but then he drags his backside across the carpet and he's like, uh, You're not a person. It's one things dogs do. People just don't lick, you know, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, all right. But there you are. You're a dog. You bark. You scratch yourself in public. You just do things in public. You just a dog shouldn't do. You howl at the moon. You just do dog stuff. God doesn't just say, "I forgive you for being a dog and let you continue to be a dog." What God did through Jesus Christ, He said, "Hey, I'm willing to forgive you of all your dogginess, but here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going I'm a reach into the dog." And I'm going to take out what has made you a dog all those years. Now, now here's the deal. The dog will still look like a dog. it'll still have four legs. If it was brown before God touched the dog, it will be brown after the dog. After God touched the dog. It's a dog. But what God will do is go into the the deepest part of the dog. And the thing that caused the bark. The thing that, that caused the howl. The thing that caused the scratch and the itch and the lick. Go inside that dog, snatch it out, and then place in it the heart of a lion.
1: This has been a classic edition of the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer, pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. We pray that you join us tomorrow as we continue this teaching. Our prayer is that this teaching from God's Word strengthens and inspires you to live a life bigger than yourself. So remember, you can access this message and much more for free at gracechurchva.org. And we also invite you to join the Grace Church family for service online by connecting on our website or on YouTube at TV. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes to live big.